Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome to this special sermon podcast. I hope that you, whenever you hear this, have a blessed Christmas season. I'm recording this on Christmas Eve, and so if you get a chance to listen to this, either today or tomorrow, I hope these words bring to life uh, the power of this day. We're going to start, of course, by reading the well-known passage that we uh, traditionally read on this day. This comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. Many, many years ago, this was the summer after I graduated from college, I did a Fun, one of the most memorable road trips I ever took with my one of my good friends, uh, Jeff. We went. We were good friends in high school, and decided after college to do this uh, road trip where we would go from Central Iowa, where we were living, to Washington D.C. I had never been, and thought it would be fun to camp along the way. And Jeff had friends in the area, so we would stay there. And on our way back, we actually stopped off at a couple of different Civil War sites, and so. The memories of this uh, trip are, are really wonderful. So we drove quite a ways that first night, and then we had it planned. We were going to we had a tent with us, and we were going to camp in one of those uh, KOA camp sites where there's lots of different little off the highway uh, areas where people can either set up their campers or set up their tents. And so we were going to drive from Des Moines all the way to a town about an hour west of Gettysburg. That was going to be our first uh, trip or the first thing that we were going to see. So it was a long drive. I think we left in the afternoon, and my memory of it is uh, that we got in late at night 
to this place, this KOA campground, where I know I had made reservations. But we got there, and you may see where this is going. We got there, and the person at the desk told us all the sites are taken. And I said, I, I know I made a reservation for one of these sites. And the person said, well, it, by this time, it was probably about midnight or so. She said, we thought you weren't coming. And so then Jeff and I were wondering, what are we going to do? Will we have to sleep in our car? And then she said, well, there is this one little place. It's over by the septic tank. Uh, it's not much, but you can go and set up your tent over there. So we really didn't know what we were getting into. And so we drove over to this tiny little site by this septic tank uh, and proceeded to leave on our headlights and set up our tent. And we were exhausted and had no idea what exactly are we setting our tent on because it was so dark. But we were able to set it up and got a night's sleep and were able to take off in the morning. But when we got up in the morning, we realized this is kind of a dreary looking place where we actually set up this tent. But we had enough light with those headlights, uh, our car headlights, to see where we were setting up our tent. And even with that little light, we were able to have some hope that we would get some sleep and that we would have a place that evening. Well, tonight we are looking at perhaps one of the most famous being turned away at the door stories one that we know well. Sometimes we may romanticize this story of going and seeing Mary and Joseph, and we don't know exactly the how it turned out. Um, but I think we need to take a little bit of a step back and really explore the possibility and what might have happened, especially coming up to this night when Mary and Joseph were trying to find a place for Mary to have this baby. It's a family, when we think about it, and I was reading an article this week about doing a scholar, scholars doing their best to try to get a sense of what must have this journey been like for them. Because I think when we hear the story, we just see Mary and Joseph showing up at this inn. But it had to be an exhausting trip, because remember, this was a trek, Tell the story tells us, or the passage tells us, This is a trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This is about 90 miles or so, which of course today seems like it's a piece of cake, but um, there is no way that this could have been an easy trip for Mary and Joseph. There are hardships in reading this article that these scholars had written about this journey. The hardships would have started, you know, a week before the birth of their son. So having to travel this 90 miles south along the flatlands of the Jordan River and then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem and then on to Bethlehem. One scholar noted that usually in this time period, people would travel at most 20 miles a day. And this was uphill and downhill. This was not a, a simple a simple trip. The scholar estimates that maybe because of Mary's pregnancy, they maybe traveled about 10 miles a day. And guessing about this time of the year, it might have been in the 30s. Temperature-wise, maybe it was raining, so it would have been a, a nasty, miserable time of the year to be traveling. So not only the, the weather, but there could have been possibly dangers in ancient Palestine. They would have gone through a heavily forested valley of the Jordan River, a, a place actually where wild animals, perhaps lions and bears, archaeologists have unearthed 
documents that warn travelers of the forest's dangers that they would have gone by. And then, of course, there might have been bandits, pirates of the desert, this article said, and robbers. These are also common hazards along the major trade routes that the one that Mary and Joseph were traveling. So it's more than just showing up with this pregnant uh, young teen and having no place. This is days of traveling, potentially awful weather, the fears of who knows what is out there, whether it be animals or bandits or whomever, and finally getting to this place thinking that maybe there's this place in this inn. They don't have apparently no family members where they could go. And again, in our memories, we may think of Mary and Joseph showing up at the Holiday Inn, but it wasn't like that at all. Scholars think that public inns at the time might have been something where large groups of travelers would have been sheltered under one roof and people may have been sleeping on cots on a terrace elevated from uh, or by a few steps from the floor. And in this one scholar describing it, perhaps what might have happened too is so there is the people sleeping up above and then down below the animals on the floor in the same room. We don't know exactly what animals. Of course, in our crush sets, we have all these popular notions. But So the indignity of Mary and Joseph coming here and potentially seeing there's no place for you. I mean, not only are people filling up all the cots, but there are animals on the floor in this uh, covered or sheltered area too. So Mary and Joseph are kicked out because the animals are taking up space as well, potentially. So all of this, I think, is important for us to reflect on and think about what must have gone into their decision. They may have been doubting themselves or doubting, did I really hear or sense an angel, the Spirit of God coming to me? Is this really what God had in mind, that we are just exhausted, that we would have to go into this other small, tiny little shelter to give birth to this child? We could not have blamed them if they questioned themselves and wondered, Lord, God, is this what you have in mind? But in the midst of all of this, in the midst of being turned away, in the midst of the exhaustion, in the midst of the danger, God shows up anyway. I was listening to this uh, reflection, this meditation by author James Finley, who uses this phrase that God comes anyway. Despite no room at the end, God comes anyway. And so Mary and Joseph decide this is what we are called to do. And so they find a place. And even in that out-of-the-way place, God comes anyway. We are here in Chicago coming to a place where the very popular musical Hamilton is ending its multi-year run. End of, or in January is when the show will leave. Hopefully we'll come back one day and had the um, was blessed to be able to see it twice uh, while it was here. One of the amazing things about Hamilton, especially the Hamilton that plays in New York on Broadway, I don't know if they still do it, but when it was first starting out, Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, the star and author of the show, created this um, opportunity that they called uh, Ham for Ham. So people could go uh, to the theater the day of and participate in a lottery, and they would get these amazing seats for $10. So 
of course, uh, Alexander Hamilton on the $10 bill. So you could see Hamilton for a Hamilton, ham for ham. And I think here in Chicago, it's done online. But apparently in New York, you go and you put your name in and you wait to see if your name is called. And then you get these amazing seats. And uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda had a heart for people who may not have been able to afford it uh, to see the performance. And so not only did people gather there to see if their name would be called, but they started to do this pretty amazing thing for uh, the people who were waiting for Ham for Ham. They would uh, come out a couple of times a week. They would come out and they would perform. Some of the people in the performance, they would come out, all these people standing out on the street who didn't have to pay a dime, who were many of whom, most of whom would be shut out from being able to see the perform inside the theater. But they would come out, Lin-Manuel Miranda and other people would come out and perform for the people. I was watching this one, and it wasn't just the uh, Hamilton uh, performers who would do parts of the, the musical, but they would also bring other artists. A poet would come and read. This YouTube video that I watched showed these two, these three people from the New York Ballet doing this amazing performance on the street in their sneakers. And all the people were gathered here. And even though most of them would be shut out from seeing something in the uh, theater, they still were able to experience this amazing snippets of art. The beauty seeped out in a way so that others would be able to experience it too. That art, beauty would find a way for anybody who would gather and see that performance or those performances. God finds a way. Even when we think we are shut out, even when we think we are turned aside, God shows up anyway. And that is one of the most beautiful miracles of this story. Because the same thing is true for us today. We do our best to try to shut out the spirit in our lives with our busyness and our attention to productivity and our anxiety about how others perceive us. We set up all of these barriers and in a sense we sometimes will shut out God whether we do it consciously or unconsciously. And the miracle is that God comes into our lives anyway. God breaks through even when we think we are left behind, even when we think we are shut out, even when we have not won the tickets, even when somebody tells us that you are not welcome, God comes anyway and is delivered and birth happens and new life is created. Even when everything else says you are not welcome here, everything, uh, even when every situation says there's no way that holiness can be experienced. God comes anyway. My family volunteered last Sunday night at something called Community Table. This is a really wonderful ministry that two campus ministries here in Chicago put on, the Inclusive Collective that has a, a close relationship with, with Urban Village and also the South Loop Campus Ministry. And every Sunday night, they gather together at this Presbyterian church uh, down in the, not far from where we live here in the South Loop. 
and they feed people. Anyone who is hungry, anyone who wants community, they feed them in this large room at Second Presbyterian Church. And they usually probably, I think, about 60, 70 people who come for this meal. And so we went to help volunteer this night. Well, on this night, word had spread that they were giving away Target gift cards. And so there were at least twice as many people who were there that night, if not more than that. And at first there was a little bit of uh, nervousness and anxiety because they weren't used to so many people packed into this room to the point where there were at least two overflow rooms where people had to sit. And uh, Rich, who is... um, Rich Havard, who is uh, the leader of the Inclusive Collective and who's there every week and made an announcement assuring everybody that everyone would, would have something to eat and would get their gift cards. But there are people who were in one of the overflow rooms. They were not in the room where you could smell the meal that was laid out before them. They were not there. They couldn't see the line. And because so many of the people in this overflow room, they don't, or their lives are centered around scarcity, where they're told so often that there's no place for them, that there's not enough. And so even though there was assurance, there will be enough, there will be enough, they had to keep coming out just to make sure, is there going to be food for me? Will there be gift cards that are left over? And we had to keep assuring them that there would be. And at times, because there were so many people, Rich was a little nervous at one point, like, I hope we have enough food. I think we do, but I'm not 100% sure. But there was. The whole experience was inspiring to me for lots of different reasons. But I couldn't help but think and understand for those who were in the room outside of the main room that they feared because they're told so often, there's not enough. There's no place for you. You are not welcome. So even perhaps they've been promised in the past that there will be something only to be turned away. And so they keep They kept peeking into the room to make sure, is there enough? Is there a place for me? And thankfully there was. There was more than enough. Friends, in our lives, we do all we can sometimes to shut others out, to shut God out. Again, whether we do it consciously or unconsciously. The miracle of Christmas One of the beautiful messages about this passage is that even though we set up all of these barriers, God comes anyway. New life is found. Even when we have been told that we are are not welcome or that we are turned away, the birth happens. Good news is there before us. Glory surrounds us. May this miracle, may this reminder that God comes anyway into our lives, may this be the nugget, the seed of a message that can be implanted in our heart and we think ahead to 2020 so that we can do all we can to make sure that we welcome Jesus into our hearts and lives, that we do not turn them away. And to be assured comforted by the fact that even in those moments when we do, God will find a way into our life anyway. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening. 
have a very blessed Christmas. Uh, I will not be preaching this Sunday, so I will be back with you in the new year in 2020. So I hope this can be a time of rest for you. Uh, I hope it's a time that you are with loved ones. Um, as always, you can reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org or my website, christiancrew.com. And especially this time of the year, really, truly, if you need uh, a comforting word or need someone to talk to, feel free to email me. Um, I know this time can be lonely for some. So, friends, until the next time that we are together, uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. My hope, love, and sad.